Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It's great to be here on this nice rainy day. It is. It's a little chilly, too. A little latte, a little rain. You know, those of us in Florida, we think like 50, 60 degrees is cold. That's like cold to us. Yeah. And whereas other people in other parts of the world and other parts of the country are thinking to themselves like, what? That's like a beautiful sunny day. That's right. And uh, we're not in Ireland and we're not in Seattle. Right. But outside it feels like it right now. Yeah, it does. We get that like once or twice a year, maybe. But it's all good. Praise God. So uh, if this is your first time, thank you for being here. Uh, Please subscribe to our channel so that you guys can get uh, updates as we put them out, new episodes. We've been doing this now for four and a half years. This is season five. That's right. Episode 18, you know? Yeah. And uh, we've done the tour portions for four years. We did. So for Christians out there... Uh, one of the things, you know, when I have conversations with Christians about the relevance of Torah to believers, my, my, big, my big frustration is that it's so hard to take the veil off of the, the Torah. Because if you don't understand what Torah is, then you think it's bondage. You've heard all these like buzzwords over the years. Right. It's done away with or whatever, you know, whatever it is that's been said. And David says it best, right? That that, you know, it's sweet. It's sweeter than honey, right? The instructions of God are the gift of grace in our life, right? He, you know, good fathers instruct their children. And so if I could just get people to have a different frame of reference for the Torah, and one of the ways you do that is by learning it. And so we did four years of podcasts already on uh, the Torah portions. We took it piece by piece all the way through, and I would encourage everybody to go back and listen to those, uh, even if you just did one a week, you know, you could go through and listen to the Torah portion of the week, um, you know, going back through. But uh, because we did four years of Torah portions, we're now in the book of Matthew. And so right now we are uh, we are studying the book of Matthew, chapter 10, and we're going to take on verses 1 through 25 because there's a lot of red letters in these chapters we've been doing. And so you got to break it up because Jesus says like few words, but he says a lot in those few words. Amen. This is true. This is true. So, uh, instructions to the disciples. Mm. So now we're seeing a lot of uh, interesting things happening here because we know that Yeshua was teaching in chapters 5, 6, and 7. Yep. And then in chapter 8, he started doing the works that's and everything. Right. And then, of course, he uh, was in giving uh, some instructions, and that's what's really going to be happening now. We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. And so he had the disciples with him as he did certain things. He would heal the sick, cast out devils. And so what's going to happen now is the simple fact that he's going to send his disciples out. So what did Yeshua give to his 12 disciples? Ah, uh, this is, if anybody's going to give you something, this is good stuff here. So Yeshua gave his disciples power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Power. Wow. He gave them power against unclean spirits. Let's see here, power. That's right. Let's see. 
Let's look that up in 1849. 1849. 1849. So you're looking it up. See, this is a keyword study Bible. Yes. King James Version. And what's cool is for for keywords, just like it says, it'll have the Strong's number next to it, and then it has a that's right, like a like a, a little a concordance, built, concordance in. built in. The keyword study Bible is very good. Uh, exousia, ah, privilege, force, capacity. Exousia, uh, freedom, mastery, superhuman, <laughs> potentate, 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 delegated influence, yeah, and of course authority. Exousia. Capacity, competency, competency. Is that what it is? Yeah, I guess. I, I don't see it. Competency. Competency. Uh, freedom. Yeah, so mastery, a power, authority. Wow, delegated influence. So that's pretty That's mm. pretty good. So after a period of instruction and training, Yeshua sent his 12 disciples on their first mission. The Your disciples, mission. yeah, the disciples were given power or authority over demons and disease. Their miracle-working ministry was to attest the legitimate claim of Yeshua to be the Messiah. So Yeshua does great teachings, he does great works, and now he's sending his disciples out that represent him. So here are the following 12 apostles. Number one, Simon, who is called Peter. Number two, Andrew, his brother. Number three, James, the son of Zebedee. Number four, John, his brother. Number five, Philip. Number six, Bartholomew. Number seven, Thomas. Number eight, Matthew the publican. Number nine, James the son of Alphaeus. And ten is Labaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus. This is a very interesting one. Number eleven, Simon the Canaanite. Mm. Then we have number twelve, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Right there in the Gospel of Matthew. Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So some things that I thought were cool about the, uh, the apostles, the disciples here, the 12, right, that followed Jesus uh, in person during his ministry while he was here on earth. Um, some things I thought was cool is I want to learn the names of these. Okay, we've, we've, you know, because of the Torah portions and everything, we've learned so much about the tribes, right, and birth order of the tribes and things like that. So, you know, I think I'm going to take some time myself personally to study out more about each of the there's the plenty of the books apostles. about that I'm, yeah I no so. i know there are there's a lot of resources very out there. interesting thomas is i guess from my understanding i guess he went to india interesting yeah well they where they went what they, they call did, a lot of churches saint thomas ministries. yeah yeah saint yeah. thomas church now um one of the other things that i thought was cool is as i'm reading this it dawned on me that you know you have two simons right and you have two Jameses. So you have Simon, who they called Peter, and you have Simon the Canaanite, as you mentioned, a Canaanite. So was he Jewish? Was he not Jewish? Yeah, interesting. But then you have James, the son of Zebedee, and James, the son of Alphaeus. You have two different Jameses. But when I was looking at this, I realized that they called Simon Peter, right? And so in English, we always think, oh, oh they just called him by another name. Well, Peter, this is Petrus in uh, Greek. It means rock. So, like, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, the wrestler, he ain't got nothing on Simon. Does it mean pebble or stone? Yeah, something. Well, yeah, because there's, there's giant, like, boulder. It's a separate word. Well, when Yeshua was saying, and, and I will build my church upon this rock. Right, right. Him. Right, right. The chief cornerstone. Right. It's two different words there. Interesting. Correct. Yeah. You know, uh, the number 12 means administration. 10 is a minion. Ah. So 12 means administration. So you have the 12 tribes, the 12 months in a year. Of course, you know, you got the 12 apostles, right? Yeah. So um, 
12 means administration. Interesting. That is that is very good. So it goes on to say, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to Ryan and just see what he wants to interject here and see how he's going to approach this portion of Matthew. It's all yours. <laughs> I'd like to see what the disciple is going to do on this yeah, one. Yeah. And this is, of course, something that I wanted to throw in for people to think about. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of commentary or whatever, but we can interject. Yeah. Well, there is a lot of commentary. You know what they say about opinions, right? We have at least two of them. Yeah, they're like armpits. And they stink. Yeah, and they stink, right. (laughs) I like that. So, uh, these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Bum, bum, bum. You know, in Hebrew roots, anytime somebody mentions the lost sheep of the house of Israel, there's just a lot of comments, right? I mean, there's something. And he says this twice. He does. Right? It's what? almost like purpose-driven life. He does. So in reference to what you're saying, in Matthew 15, 24, um, there's a Canaanite woman who had a daughter that was vexed with the devil, and Yeshua healed her. But before he healed her, he states his purpose. And his purpose, he says, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right, so he says this, but because of her persistence and her faith, he goes ahead and heals. Which is going to be coming up in chapter daughter. fifteen. It will. It will. So we'll address that, you know, more in depth later. And so we know that Yeshua, the Son of God, has always existed, and that He was the Rock that followed the children of Israel in the wilderness. Do you want to read first, or do you want to read Colossians chapter one, verses fifteen through twenty? You know, I read it last night too. Um, and I just, I think that this I, Colossians is, is been a book that I've been kind of going back to a lot lately. And I really do like these verses. Um, and so this is, uh, we're looking for 15 through 20. So it says, He, meaning uh, Yeshua, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So, wow. So, the point is, is that when we talk about keeping the main thing the main thing, Yeshua is the main thing, right? Uh, Paul puts this and, and says that he has the preeminence, right? Now, this is what's interesting. When he came to earth, so the Son of God comes to earth, okay? And we have this question on, well, why did he come to earth, right? Because there's got to be another way. And I assure you that if there was another way, he probably would have taken it, right? Now, we keep going and we try to understand, well, who is this lost sheep of the house of Israel? Okay, and so we have to think about it from a biblical history standpoint. And we say, okay, the house of Israel, when it's used in that way, the house of Israel is usually referring to the northern Northern kingdom. kingdom, Right. So after Solomon uh, dies, right, the kingdom is split into two. Two tribes in the south, That's right. which is the kingdom of Judah, yeah, and ten tribes in the north, which is right. the kingdom of... And Benjamin was absorbed into Judah. Right. Um, 
Right. So now let's consider this. Judah and Simeon was there too, right? So there's so there's some some interesting yeah. stuff going on there. But a great teaching. I don't know if it's up on YouTube yet, but from this Saturday was uh, the study on the last days. It was very interesting how you brought in Ahijah talking about the prophecy yeah. of, that says, hey, this is going to happen, and then it does, right? Obviously, That's right. God, First time prophecy is mentioned in the Bible. You know, splits the kingdom. Law first mentioned. Into two, the exactly The tribe's right. being divided by God, so... Right. Now, I could. We, there's a ton of verses, there's a ton of stuff to talk about on this topic, but we don't have the time to go no. through all of it. But I do want to mention that God divorces the house of Israel, also called Ephraim, uh, in Jeremiah 3.8. But Judah, I don't want to say Judah gets a pass, because it definitely mentions Judah and Judah's right. harlotry, but yeah. Judah does not get divorced. No, there's right? no certificate of divorce for yeah. Judah, which, just, is, which is a point to be made. It is a point to be made. So it says here, Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So, again, there's a divorce that happens. God divorces the northern kingdom, right? Which then go into captivity in the year 722 BC because of their harlotry. There's judgment that is upon them, and they are then scattered to the four winds. And today we call them the lost tribes of Israel. Why? Because the northern kingdom was called Israel, the southern kingdom was called Judah. Right. So you have the lost tribes of Israel. And then Jesus, when he's on earth, says this thing twice, that he's come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In the first place, he sends his disciples when he sends them out and gives them power over unclean spirits and, uh, and healing of all sickness and manner of disease is he sends them to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All very, very interesting. So in order for God to renew the marriage covenant, so in order for him to take back uh, the... Um, the northern kingdom, into covenant with him that he made at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. So that's the marriage covenant itself, if you want to find. That's where the Ten Commandments are given, the laws given at Sinai. That's the marriage covenant, the trumpets blown, all that good stuff. Um, that It says here, uh, in order for God to renew the marriage covenant made at Mount Sinai, he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for the sin of adultery. Now, I believe that to be true. And so there's two verses or two scriptures. I'll read Deuteronomy 24 yes. verses one through Thank four. You. So let's look at this particular portion of scripture when he talks about marriage. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is deport or departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and giveth it in her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Okay, so this is a spiritual law. It's an abomination an abomination yeah. before the Lord for a man to take a wife, right? Give her a bill of divorcement, so divorce her for whatever reason. She goes and she's with another man, right? Right, And for whatever reason, they either get another divorce or right. he dies or whatever. He cannot take her back. Right. Okay. Well, God marries the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. And right. then he divorces the northern ten tribes, the northern right. kingdom, in Jeremiah 3.8. We see that, and there's another verse, I believe, That's right. in Isaiah. 
And so then we come, and Paul starts to talk about this mystery. Paul's been given a download, a revelation from God, unlocking this understanding, right? How is God going to remarry the house of Israel? He can't, right? He's stuck. He's stuck. So why don't you read? Remember, the certificate of divorce, the writ of divorce, is given because of adultery. Right. Sexual immorality, fornication, whatever. So we committed those sins. Right. So he had the right to divorce us. Correct. But how is he going to remarry us? All right. Good question. It says here, Romans 7, verses 1 through 4. Very interesting, four verses. Yeah, yeah. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law. So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Interesting. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Interesting. So Yeshua becomes the second Adam. Right. So it's not the law, right, that's done away with. The law is is being expressed here to explain why Jesus had to die on the cross. He had to die because we had to be released from the divorce. And the charges that were against us were nailed to the cross. Correct. Which it says that here in, or in Colossians in the last verses. Right. So very interesting how we can see the depth and richness of the mission of Yeshua in these verses, because we see what the law says, and then in order to keep with the law, God himself had to come and die. That's right. So that we would be released from the law of the husband. That's right. So that then we could remarry and become the bride of Christ. See, that's it in a nutshell. That is it? So that's pretty powerful, if you ask me. That was very powerful. So uh, we don't want to commit adultery again. Uh, we go into Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. I love that last phrase. Freely you have received, freely So the give. kingdom of God is now and near. Mm-hmm. Does everybody understand that? I do understand that. It's now and it's near. So discuss why we have the same authority as the disciples to heal the sick, cast out devils, and to raise the dead. Now, this is hard for some people to accept, you know? And if I'm honest, even with myself, you know, like I pray for somebody to be healed and they are not healed. And I'm like, well, God, you say this, right? And so there's many reasons we can, we can go into, and I'm not going to talk about the apologetics of, of this or anything like that, but I do want people to be encouraged because I'm going to read to you. Uh, there's, there's a group out there that will say that the verses that we just read about Jesus giving the disciples power over unclean spirits and all of that, that that was for those disciples and that that is not available to us today. But I'm going to give you a scripture out of John. Oh, look at that. Did you already have that? And then you mentioned Ah, how funny. Yeah. It's out of John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. And it says here, this is Jesus speaking. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Okay. So we're qualifying. Who is he talking to? Who's he talking about? I believe in Yeshua. Do you believe in Yeshua? Yeah. Do you believe in Yeshua? Absolutely. Right. Okay. 
We all believe in Yeshua. So he says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Boy, that's really good. Man. So if the question ever arises as to whether or not the power through the Holy Spirit to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead is available to us today, if those things are available to us today, just go to John chapter 14, 12 through 14, and remind Jesus, remind God of his promise to us. Because we could stand on those promises today. You know, that's good. And that's, and in, that's in John. Now, Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So is that the whole dancing with the snakes at the church? Thing? I guess. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. Lord help us. But I'll tell you one thing, though. <laughs> It talks about right here, uh, of course, you know, uh, it doesn't mention raising the dead in this particular instance, sure. but we have the authority to do that as well. And, uh, and then, of course, in, in, in Luke chapter ten nineteen, my last one, we're already in Matthew, so we got Mark, Luke, and John as references here. Ten nineteen. Ten nineteen. Behold, I give you, or behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Mm. So we have the power over the enemy. That's right. The enemy has power too, but we have a greater power in us uh, to do that. So let's jump right into um, Matthew chapter 10, verses 9 through 15, instructions to the disciples. I'm going to turn it over to to Ryan, and he's going to... uh, share about this now he's going to give some instructions to the disciples it's on the job training now they're going to be heading out right okay so what seven things did yeshua say to his disciples that they were to not to not provide for themselves we've got gold silver brass or scrip which is a bag two coats or tunics shoes or or rather sandals and staves or staffs Mm -hmm. you don't need to worry about this stuff And he says this why. He says, he finishes the verse of telling them that. He says, for a worker is worthy of his food. This is true. A worker is worthy of his food. So uh, this is to be a relatively quick preaching journey. So they are not to spend time procuring extra supplies. Those whom they minister to must support their ministry. That's good. Their mission. So uh, we had some some interesting uh, conversation about this because this is... um, Things like this get convoluted. Or um, taken out of context. Right, taken out of context. But I, I would say this. I would say that um, the people in the congregation uh, should appreciate the men and women of God that bring the word of God. Yeah, right? don't muzzle the ox. Exactly right. And that the, the minister is worthy of his wage. Right. Amen. And that... Um, we should all be supporting that. We should put more value on it even than... Because I was thinking about this. Think about it. The, the Christian mission method today is that we bring the physical need to the people in order to have the opportunity to preach to them the gospel. Right. Okay? Well, this is flipped on its head. This is saying we're not bringing anything. We're bringing the best thing that we could possibly bring, right. which is the gospel of Jesus right. Christ... 
Keep and the main return, thing the main thing. They are going to then provide for our needs. So it, it flips it on its head. Now, of course, this is a, an incident where a specific time, you know what I mean? I think that Jesus tells us take care of the poor, do all these things. So there's, there's definitely... Um, the church has a mission right. to be the hands and feet of Jesus right. in that way and also to preach the gospel. But those of us that have our own you know, ability to provide for ourselves should, not, should be giving, right. right? And I know that tithing is a whole other subject, but we should be giving. Now, um, what instructions did Yeshua give in regards to entering a town or city? Inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. Um, so worthy indicates someone who responds positively to the disciples' message. They're interested. Right, right. You know, the good news is even the Old Testament. Yeah. Now, I thought about this. This, the this gospel's good mission news. trip that they're on, uh, they're traveling throughout the cities and towns of the, of the northern kingdom, right? And so they're preaching this to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's right. Okay. And there would be synagogues and things like that. So there would be public places for them to speak and right. gather, correct? But they needed a place to stay and eat and, you know, take care of themselves and also probably have home meetings, right? I mean, they're, they're probably referencing the Messiah's here. Yeah, yeah. Well, but think about it. I mean, think about. Hey, we found the Messiah. Yeah. This is what the message is. So I thought, like, okay, well, who in our congregation, you know, or the places where we are, uh, are the, those quote unquote worthy ones that have the ability to care for the needs of others that come into town? And I was thinking the post calls do a great job of caring for our guests, and the Colbos, exactly right. That's right. That Both of those uh, families have done a fantastic job of being hospitable right, to our guests. Hospitality. And so those are worthy homes where a, a man or woman of God can come and lay their head and receive a hot meal. The message. Right. And right. that way they can be able to send out the message. Even right? the Hebrews of the Christian faith message. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Who's worthy? That's right. And so uh, verses 12 through 15 uh, are pretty interesting as well. And it says this. It says, And when ye come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So see, you got, it's a win-win. You got nothing to lose. I thought about this, and I was like, wait, they don't even, because those people didn't receive the message, they don't even want the dust from that city or that house on their feet. I was thinking about that. I was like, shake off the dust of your feet. <laughs> yeah, get it off your feet. You don't want, look, I don't want to get the cooties of, you, you know, wouldn't receive it. not receiving the message. So here's our discussion. But question. it's your choice to receive the message. It'd be good if you were to receive it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So discuss different ways that you uh, can share the gospel with others and detect when there is hostility. You know, let's say you kind of know somebody or associates or workers or your, even your family. Or whatever. I mean, the thing is, it's kind of like maybe you don't know them very well. You could ask what church they go to as an icebreaker instead of saying, hey, do you believe in God? I mean, yeah. there's different things. How do you start the conversation? You know, Have I you think, accepted Jesus as your Lord see, and Savior? I mean, if you just kind of say, hey, uh, you could ask, well, hey, uh, what, what church do you go to? And they could say, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really go to church. I don't, yeah. I don't believe in God. Or, or, I mean, maybe they say, well, I'm Jehovah Witness. Or yeah. I'm a Mormon. Or sure. I'm, you know, um, whatever. I mean, I'm just saying that 
let's say you want to have a little discussion, you know, find yeah. out where they're at spiritually. Sure. How could you do it without offending them? Because you don't want the hostility part, because hostility can be detected by what they say or their body language. So, right. you know, like a scowl or a, oh, you know, those televangelists. You know, it's funny that you say that message. about, because um, <sighs> there's the idea of not being unequally yoked, and most people uh, use that term about marriage, right? But I would, I would, I would put, propose that that also has to do with business partnerships. Um, I've been in business partnerships where the other people involved were not believers. And I'm not going to say that there aren't certain types of partnerships where people that are ne- not necessarily believers can't be involved. But if you're going to yoke yourself in, and I think that the Spirit will guide anyone on what that means, that, that the person being a believer is important. And I use the very question that you just said to test somebody one time, that we were thinking about doing some, some software um, and... This person, instead of doing a fee for service, wanted to do a partnership. And through my conversation with him, I scheduled a meeting and I just asked. I said, um, "I said, do you go to church?" You know, and the answer was no. And I, the spirit kind of just told me, "Look, you know, you if you're going to yoke in a partnership situation, then it needs to be in a situation where at least this person is submitted to a higher authority uh, that you are, the same higher authority that you are." Interesting. Because I feel like there's got to be accountability and some spiritual accountability, if that makes sense. That's interesting. And then to that end, I have another software company that I partner with that is Christian, right? And we have, you know, worked through some issues and it all went well because we were able to praise God when everything worked out the way we wanted it to and all that. Scruples. It was was good. Yeah, Christian morals. Now, as far as evangelism, um, as kind of you mentioned, not pouring Jesus down people's throat. I right. think uh, that doesn't work anymore. Just like the sales tactics of the eighties and nineties don't work today. Right. You can't just shove things down people's throat. People are very resistant to that. Right. Um, people need to be drawn to something. Right. Uh, I think lifestyle evangelism. And if you, uh, there's books out there about lifestyle evangelism. You know, when Jesus talks about uh, the great commission, he doesn't say, uh, you know, hold big tent meetings. What he says is right. as you're going, Right. Make disciples. That's right? true. That's and good. And so whether it's in your job, being a light there, whether it's with your family, being a light there, with your neighbors, being a light, letting people see your lifestyle, living the, being the hands and feet of Jesus, being a servant and a witness through your right. life, and then the Holy Spirit will provide you the opportunities. That's one of the qualifications of a true elder, mm-hmm. that you have a good report outside the church. Let's check out uh, Disciples Should Expect Persecution now. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 20. It says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Uh, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Mm-hmm. So now they've watched Yeshua teach. They've watched him uh, in action, casting out devils, healing the sick. And then he takes them and lets them do it. And then he sends them out. And he says, yeah. You're going to be teaching. You're going to be healing the sick, casting out devils. And oh, by the way, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, the serpent was the symbol of shrewdness and intellectual cunning in Genesis 3.1, in Psalm 58, verses 4 and 5, while the dove was emblematic of simple innocence. 
Hosea 7.11. So that's where you want to kind of look at that. Yeah. You know, uh, in Genesis be, 3.1, it says that the serpent was more cunning, yeah. right? as you mentioned. So, so we have to be wise. You know, what are we getting into? What's going on here? You know, don't throw your pearls before the swine. Right. And so why did Yeshua warn his disciples to, to beware of men? This is rough. It says that they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. So now he's giving you a scenario that there's going to be, of course, it says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 18 to 20, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. Which is cool because this is the verse they used in that uh, movie, God's Not Dead, We the People. We were yeah. watching on Sunday night together as a group. That's true. So the disciples would be brought before governors and kings. And it goes on to say, take no thought means do not be anxious. It shall be given you promises that the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit would tell them what to say in each situation they would face. Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. I can give you a, a testimony uh, I have personally been called to a meeting, and the Holy Spirit told me what to say. I've been there too, yeah. Amen. I had no paper, no nothing. I just went and uh, and just, you know. And one of the things I've learned about going to a table or negotiations is let them speak first. If you let them speak first, the outcome could be greater in your favor. You usually win that negotiation or whatever it is, tribunal, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. Uh, Don't be so quick to speak and and defend yourself and all these other interesting things. When you go, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. Yeah. You know, Proverbs, see if I can memorize this. I'm trying to memorize scripture and get filled with the scripture. So Proverbs 13, 3, he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Mm. It's Proverbs 13.3. Proverbs uh, is full of wisdom. So uh, think about it. So so we're moving into some areas now where it can get really personal. Uh, it, it can. I want to say one quick thing. I mean, um, you know, one of the things that uh, I've learned over the years is that some of the English translations of the Bible, including the King James Version, can have some what we call uh, translation bias or translation anti-Semitism. And one of the ways that you can find that is in some of the subtle ways that different words are used. So in certain places, they'll have words in English that are words in Greek or Hebrew that are translated one way in one place and another way in another place, depending on... The context? Well, but depending on how the interpreter or the translator views that situation, right? And so the word synagogue is the Greek word synagogue, and it is almost interchangeable with the word ecclesia, right? Ecclesia is more of a called out ones, right? But it's still an assembly. And the synagogue is a assembly, like it's always going to be an Where assembly. you assemble. Where you assemble. Public meeting. A public meeting, right. That's what a mikra is. Right, right, right. So we today in English use the word synagogue to basically say a Jewish church, right? It's a place where the Jews meet. Well, here, when it says that they're going to scourge you in their synagogues, that is just a subtle way of saying, hey, it's those Jews that are going to scourge you, right? Meanwhile, it's all Jews. 
the Jews are scourging the other Jews, right? This right. Is, this is just two different groups with two different ideologies. That's true. What we would consider today, you know, when we're not— That's true. When we don't have, uh, we don't have uh, skin in the game, we'd call it sectarian violence, right? This is sectarian issues going on here. But because we translate this as synagogues and not assemblies here, whereas in other places we don't want to give credit, so we call it assemblies instead of synagogues, you know, I, I, I just want to mention that because it's— you know, it's important that is to know. interesting, you know. This could be like, hey, they talk, took you to town hall and scourged you, right? right? They took you to the town square. Right, a public, a pl- meeting, a public place. meeting place. Right. That's interesting, you know, because now this is going to develop into some interesting things. Uh, in Matthew ten twenty one, And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. It's, it's going to get so bad. You know, that that's going to happen. Well, this is happening today. Well, he says, you can't love anybody more than me. Think about China, how they're persecuting Christians over there. And so if somebody in your family becomes a Christian, you don't want to get the government to come on to you. So you either kick them out or you turn them in. People are being ratted out for not quarantining or something or not wearing a mask. Oh, yeah, even that. Uh, So believing in Yeshua can bring the death penalty from relatives and family. Matthew 10, 21, once again. Believing in Yeshua can actually bring the death penalty from relatives and family. That's disturbing. Yes. Uh, it goes on to say in Matthew ten twenty two, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Hallelujah. So a disciple will be hated for knowing Yeshua, but has to endure it until the end. It's funny. Everybody's fighting over COVID and masks. They're not even fighting over Jesus anymore or the church. Yeah. Now we're fighting over vaccinations and booster shots and and all that other stuff. So so once again, uh, you know. Think about how this plot has developed, Ryan, if you just want to really think about the plot thickens, right? Yeah. Let's just look at it like this. Here's the interesting thing. If Yeshua was a great teacher and he taught all these cool things and he had disciples, then he went out and he started doing it. Yeah. He was healing the sick, casting out devils. He says, come on, disciples. I've taught you this. I want you to do this. Right? Yeah. What I've shown you, what I've taught you. Now I want you to go out and do it. Now, let me give you a good example. So he sends them out. And then he says, you're going to be even persecuted even to the point of death. And your own family are going to turn against you because I taught you these things. And you're doing these things. Yeah. You could get the crown of the martyr. Right. So here we are, Ryan. We are teaching the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And look at the, the, the things that can happen in, in, in that sense of the word. That it's not a move of God, but the move of God. Yeah. You know, and then he, he goes on to say in, in Matthew ten twenty three, but when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Now, some have said that's like a prophecy that the gospel will go throughout even the nation of Israel today, and then the Messiah will come. Yeah. That the Messianics will, you know, be preaching the gospel all throughout the land of Israel. Yep. To lead people to Messiah, Yeshua, uh, and of course, uh, till the Son of Man become. He says you won't even be able to do that. You won't be finished. Well, they say that that's one of the reasons why we we know that the time is coming because one of the qualifications for the return of the Messiah is that the gospel is preached to the right. uttermost parts of the earth. And at this point, it's hard. You'd be hard pressed to find places where the gospel hasn't been preached. It's interesting. So the gospel will always bring persecution. The mission to Israel must continue alongside the mission to the nations until Yeshua returns. Matthew 10, 23. See, it's a mission. Yeah. 
And uh, I'll let you go ahead and take uh, number 14, because it's going to be getting into some... <clears throat> now they're going to be accusing you. That's right. So the, wow. di- the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So they're saying... You know, Yeshua's the devil. He's full of devils. Right. And the Yeshua's got his disciples, and they're full of devils, too. Right. So that's what they're attributing this to. You ever heard the phrase, which is worse, the crazy person or the people that follow the crazy person? Right? That's essentially what he's saying, is that these people see me as, you know, uh, whatever, a false teacher, a, a right. devil or whatever. How much more are they going to see you who follow right. me as a devil? You know? So here it is. The word disciple, which is the Greek 3101, is the Greek word methetes, 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 I don't know. And it means a learner and a pupil. So this would be equivalent to the Hebrew word talmudim, right? Wow, we're disciples of Yeshua. That's right. We're learning. We're a pupil. And so the word Beelzebub is the Greek 954 and is the Greek word Beelzebul. Uh, It is of Chaldean origin and by parody on the Hebrew word 1176, which is the dung god. Beelzebul, or a name for Satan. And then you can find Man. that in 1025. Now, Beelzebub means master of the house and refers to Satan. The accusation is that Yeshua, the real master of all, was really Satan, is actually shockingly perverse. How much more, then, should Yeshua's own disciples expect to be falsely accused and maligned? And then, just as a side note, Beelzebub also means Lord of the Flies. That's where the dung god oh. comes in. Right? Because the flies were always on the poopies. Um, you know, I have uh, had people, you know, say mean things to me because of Yeshua or because of my faith or because they felt, you know, whatever. And I think that when we were talking earlier about the hostility, there's some people that'll be, you know, visibly hostile towards the gospel or the preaching of the gospel or Jesus or the Bible and all those things. And wow. um, I've seen um, even some news a- anchors and stuff, you know, talk about the Bible, right, and how people with your fairy tales and, you know, just kind of lambasting um, this. It's like, it's fine that you believe that, but just don't try to legislate or put that on me. I mean, just the things that they— The Bible's not science. The way they think and, and all that. And uh, That's interesting. You know, so, so here's another thing, though, that I want to remind everyone. You know, there's only one unpardonable sin— it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That's right. So think about how many times the Lord has been trying to penetrate us or get to us to accept his son. Right. Through, via the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, why do I say that? Because think about it. If in the very end you refuse, well, then there's an eternity in hell. Yeah. So it's unpardonable. Right. So another thing is, is what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? It's attributing the, the, the works of God... To the devil. Ooh, which is exactly what they do. So that's why it's unpardonable to the point of now God's trying to reach you through his Holy Spirit to receive his son. Mm. And that's the thing that we need to know. And that's why, anything. you know, people need to be careful when they're pointing at other denominations for maybe some of their practices that maybe you don't like or agree with and maybe you have good reasons for it. But God forbid that you be wrong. Well, you and know, you've and pointed I, at the movement yeah. of the Holy Spirit 
right? And you've called something out saying, oh, that's of the devil, because there's people that say that. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to point out any denominations or, or well, ministers, not, but I would say that I was told, hey, don't go to this church. They speak in tongues. That's of the devil. Ooh. So it really kind of scared me a little bit and it concerned <laughs> me. But then again, I was called to that church for that direction. That's exactly what I'm saying not but to But I'll you. never forget what, what they said. What happened to you, what they said, I'm saying, don't do that. <laughs> Well, I know, but it was you never like, know. But I was young. I was a Christian. But I'm saying no, that not you. I'm saying the person that oh, said that. I, to I you. know it's immaturity yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. I mean, that's it's just crazy like, to make such a crazy statement like that. Like, oh, speaking in tongues is of the devil. You know, yeah. and I'm like, it's in the Bible. I mean, even in the Greek, it's an ecstatic language. I mean, if you yeah. break it down. So, so anyway, let's let's look at the, what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 10 verses 1 through 25. Ryan, what do you have for me? Uh, my first point, I, I started with my sobering point so I can end on a high note, but uh, my sobering point is that uh, persecution is part of the authentic Christian walk. Uh, if you're really living for Jesus, you should expect to receive some uh, pushback. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, especially if you're uh, preaching and teaching and doing things in his name and you're uh, excited about the message of the gospel, there will be those that that will rub the wrong way and they will have, they'll have it out for That's you. That's good. Um, the second thing I said was that the, the disciples were sent out. Um, and so just as the disciples were sent out, we are sent out. Uh, we're in the diaspora, right? We're in exile. We're not in the land of Israel. And so when I talk about lifestyle evangelism, as you go make disciples, we should be making disciples of Jesus, right? We should be pointing people to Jesus. We should be giving glory to Jesus. Um, we should be doing the works of Jesus. That's a good word. I mean, think about it. That's Where a we good are word, today. you know. Um, just like in the latter days, you know. What's going to befall Israel in the last days? What's going to happen to Jerusalem, you know, in the latter days? That nations will be drawn to it. That's right. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Young men have visions. Old men dream dreams. Boy, I got vision. In, in the last days. I haven't dreamed a dream. I can't remember the last time I dreamed a dream. So I'm really? Fe- I'm feeling pretty good about that. You're not a dreamer? I'm a vision haver. Wow, a, that's I'm, awesome. I'm a visionary. You know, I've been dreaming a lot. I look and I see the vision. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You? you can't. Dream, dreamer, right? Oh, big time. Oh, yeah. I'm dreaming yeah, away. That's okay. I can wake up, go to sleep, and still dream again. <laughs> what two points can be learned? I'll tell you number one. I would say this. We have the same power and authority as the disciples of Yeshua. Hallelujah. That's Matthew 10.1. Mm-hmm. Remember Matthew 10, he sent them out. Yep. What are we doing? That's Give me right. two hours. That's right. Inside joke. Number two, we have to endure persecution until the end. That's right. Matthew 10.21. Which leads me to believe that uh, there will be, we will experience tribulation. When he speaks that way, it leads me to believe that we, and you know what? There will be those that are fearful, and there will be those that are encouraging those that are fearful. And I plan to be one of those encouraging those that are fearful. I think that's good. So um, that's really all I have. I mean, that's really it. I mean, Matthew chapter 10. Verses 1 through 25. 1 through 25. He's sending them out, and they're doing the work. That's right. That's what God gave us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your son, and we thank you for the commission that he's given the disciples and those of us that believe on him still to this day, God. We ask for a reward for our faith, Lord, that you would give us clear vision and direction of the the mission that you're sending us on individually uh, through the Holy Spirit, and that you will endow us with power, Father, from on high, through your Holy Spirit, to walk out the mission that you've given each and every one of us, God. And I speak that over, over myself, over Pastor Nick, and over everybody that's watching or listening to this today, Father, that you would send your Holy Spirit to meet us all and to fill us 
and to send us out on a mission, Father, so that we could bring glory to the Son of God. And we pray this in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. 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 All right. <laughs> wow. All right. If you guys need to reach out to us, you can email me at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. This Shabbat. That's right. This Shabbat, we have Hanok Young coming. That's right. The Israeli tour guide. Our Israeli tour guide is going to be sharing about what's going on in Israel and everything. And I think I might do a podcast with him at some point. That's right. It'll be cool. Next week. So bless you guys. Have a great week.